I am B, Emo Essien, and now you're tuned in to the Monarchy Show. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. We split the homestand last week, which places us in sixth in the conference. There's a lot to talk about tonight, so let's go ahead and get right to it. Welcome back to the show, Coach. Glad to be with you. Excited to do another one. All right, Coach. So we're going to have Jerico on the show after the break. Obviously, this is his first season as a Monarch, but he's been in the starting lineup since day one. Can you chat with Monarch Nation a little bit about Dorico and how he's coming along as a Monarch? I think, you know, he, he and Faison both have, uh, have made real positive strides. And uh, I, I think at different times, you know, you've, you've seen each of them, uh, while Dorico is the starter, you've seen each of them finish uh, games strongly, making big plays at the defensive end. Uh, you know, think about the, uh, I don't, I can't remember the opponent, but we're, uh, uh, Faison took a couple charges uh, late in the game to help us get stops or down at South Alabama where uh, the, 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 the last shot attempt that uh, South Alabama took, Makai played great defense, but Dorico came over from the weak side and blocked the shot. You know, they've made those plays, but there's also been opportunities for them, uh, you know, making some big free throws at, at, at times. Um, and so I think those are just glimpses of uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the future for, for them. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're both Dorico especially, but they're both kind of, you know, undersized. They're not overly big as, as centers, but their athleticism and their, uh, uh, you know, their, their aggressiveness, their mobility, uh, you know, allows them to, to be effective playing against oftentimes bigger players. Uh, but, you know, I think Dorico's a, a really interesting guy, uh, as everyone will, will find out. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he really, really, uh, you know, wants to excel. All right, coach. So back to last week, two games since our last show, we went one and one, uh, we dropped a tough one to JMU and then we completed the season sweep over Georgia Southern on Saturday. Both games, we saw a slow starts from the offense, but in both, we saw the team find their footing to turn the tides a bit. Makai continued his fantastic play and now has four straight double doubles. What are your thoughts on last week? Uh, you know, um, the, the, the slow starts are, are, are head scratching. You know, we've, we've, we were talking about it. We've talked about, um, you know, do we as coaches need to uh, try to do something maybe defensively to get us going more, you know, what is it that's causing us to kind of play flat footed during the, the early part uh, of, of, of contests? Uh, you know, is it, is it lineup related? Uh, I, I really don't know, but we're, you know, we're, we're trying to experiment and, 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 and talk about and explore things that can get us off to a, a, a better start. Um, uh, you know, part of it is simply making shots. You know, uh, both, both games we started, uh, I think, identical three for 18. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to beat many people uh, shooting the ball that way, no matter how good your defense is. Our defense against Georgia Southern was much, much, much better. Uh, you know, against James Madison, I think they, you know, they hit big shots, but certainly looking at the film afterwards, we, we just didn't individually guard very well. I mean, we just, just one-on-one, -on -one, we couldn't keep the ball in front of us. Uh, and, and, and we didn't play with the kind of uh, uh, the, the physicality, the aggressiveness uh, that, that you have to, to play against a good team. So, um, you know, hope, hopefully we, we address that and, we're ready to, uh, you know, this this week uh, play play two full games uh, of of uh, of defense where we take really we we're committed at the defensive end and we take pride in what we're doing. Um, you know, I, I think that's what we saw against Georgia Southern. All right, so Mike and I got a number of questions from fans, and a number of them were kind of about the same thing, and they were asking about how the end of the game, how the end of the JMU game played out after Tyreek made a couple of free throws at the 104 mark to bring us within five points. So kind of right after that, Emo fouled it, I think a minute, one seconds, JMU inbounds, and then we defend them for about 22 seconds before Tyreek deflects the ball out of bounds. JMU ends up calling a timeout at that point. Can you take us through the end of the game strategy and then if things changed at all once JMU called that timeout? 
Well, if that's the one that I, I remember, we, we, we continued face guarding. And what we said was, let's, let's not let them, you know, be able to run a play. Uh, we don't want to give them anything easy. Uh, but when the ball comes in, we, you know, we've got to be ready to, you know, contest and play defense, but find a, find a way to, uh, uh, you know, to, to rebound the ball. Um, but I, I, I think that that's the one you said, Emo fouled. Is, is, is that the one? Yeah, that Emo fouled it with about a minute left. And then, um, you know, JMU, you, you know, inbounded the ball. And then I think Dorico was guarding um, 13, uh, kind of on the, the in the corner. And um, they ran about 22 seconds off before they, I think they had a cross-court pass that Tyreek got his hands on and went out of bounds. Um, Jamie, you called a timeout at that point. And then I, th- I think that we had a foul rel- like relatively quickly after that, like maybe five or six seconds after that. But I think, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time recalling that particular one, but the, the, the two that I, I do remember where we just, you know, one, we were in what, what are we call 55, which is a, a full court zone press. And we had done a great job uh, up front and they kind of threw, I, I don't want to say a desperation, but, they threw a long pass because, you know, they, they were in trouble down, down in the, in the front court. Um, and uh, Dorico missed it literally by, you know, an inch or two. And then they, they got it and, and, and ended up, you know, getting an easy dunk. We came down, we scored. And then the, the, the next time we called timeout and we, we didn't, we didn't feel like we had enough time to trap and rotate, you know, and try to steal the ball. So what we did was face guard. Uh, and, and when you face guard, basically you're switching all crosses, uh, you're, you're denying uh, the, the ball to come in. And if the ball does come in, you're supposed to foul right away. Um, we, we had two guys that were uh, guarding their men stationed around midcourt. And, you know, they just they, 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 they made the mistake when the, the further you get away from the ball, what we teach is. Uh, you, you, you have to see the, the, the basketball. You don't have to completely face guard. Closer to the ball, you know, you just face guard. You don't look at the ball at all. Uh, you just, you know, you, you basically look at the, at the chest of, of, of your offensive player. Uh, we had two guys uh, at either side of, of midcourt, and, and neither one of them saw the ball, and they just threw it over top and got an easy one. I mean, we just, we just gave that away. Um, so that, you know, th- that, that's two buckets right there. One was on a mistake and one was, you know, Dorico just, just couldn't, couldn't get there in time. I mean, he, he rotated and, you know, made a play, but he, he missed the basketball. But what we were trying to do, um, you know, the first one was try to steal the ball. And, and then, you know, it, it, at the half court level, we were going to foul. Uh, when we were face guarding, it, it either needs to be a steal, a five second or an immediate foul. And then the, the, the very last one that we had, the ball came in and Tyreek didn't foul and they were able to run three or four seconds off. That's why we only had, you know, had, had they missed the free throw, we only had three seconds and then, you know, that, that wasn't going to do us any, in any good, but, you know, had we fouled, you know, that there should have been three or four more seconds, you know, it, at least if they'd missed the free throw, maybe we would have had a chance. I guess the question the fans really had was uh, at a minute left, they had the ball. They inbounded it, and we didn't foul them for 22 seconds. I guess the question is, were we trying to force – because it was a two-possession game at this point. Okay, that – that all right, I, I think I understand. That that basically was – that was the last time we were not going to foul. That that possession okay. right there. Every time after that we would have fouled, that was the, the one where we were trying to get a stop and then just push it down and get a score. Awesome. Thank you for that explanation. In the Georgia Southern game, I've got to say, Zon looked like a different player. Uh, he was fluid. He was attacking the ball. He was jumping. I mean, we've seen his potential all season long, but we saw more of it come together in this game. I'm not sure if you would agree, but I think he had 12 points, eight rebounds. A really fantastic effort from him in the Georgia Southern game. Oh, it's funny. Early in that game, um, you know, Rico went out. I think Rico picked up a couple fouls, quick fouls maybe. Um, but uh, uh, Faison came in and, and got knocked around a little bit and gave up uh, a couple easy uh, offensive rebounds that resulted in points uh, for, for Georgia Southern. And, uh, you know, we, we, we just 
basically we just let him know. I mean, he's got to play a lot tougher, a lot more physical than that. And then he responded, you know, and, and again, he, he liked the starters when he first went in was flat, but he responded and, and played, I, I thought a terrific basketball game. Uh, you know, he, he had some really, really uh, uh, big time rebounds in traffic where he just went up in, in, you know, in, in the midst of uh, a scrum and he just rose above everybody else and he got the basketball. Uh, and then a couple times at the offensive end, he got his other opportunities and he muscled up a couple follow-ups. So, uh, yes, uh, that was one of uh, Faison's, uh, you know, better efforts, I, I think, uh, of, of the season. And, you know, that was a, a good problem to have uh, at the end because, you know, Dorico had made, you know, a couple good plays and Faison had played well. And I, you know, I, I wasn't exactly sure who to, you know, who to have in there, but we were able to keep them, you know, keep them at bay. So uh, I just, just left uh, Dorico in there. Now, I, I, Mike and I were talking during the game. Um, I don't remember how many minutes were left, but um, right after Faison had made a couple plays and they turn and look at each other and go, and he's got a shot at being player of the game here, depending upon how the end of this game plays out. Um, it, uh, it's, it's nice to see these guys kind of, you know, making, you know, I, I guess what the, you know, coming into their own, so, you know, getting a little bit better each day, kind of figuring out what their role is and, um, you know, seeing their potential. Well, you know, we, we've been saying for a while now, you, we, we, we see phase on pretty much on a, on a weekly basis, you know, adding things and, and getting better. I, I think the exciting thing is that, um, you know, he's, he's getting better, but he, you know, he's, he's got two more years and I know, you know, I'm not thinking we're, you know, no one's really thinking about next year or the year after, but the, the fact that, that phase going to, you know, continue getting better. And he's, he's got, you know, he's, he's, he's got additional years to, you know, continue that, that improvement and that, that development. Yeah. The other note I had was how, I mean, I've had this thought throughout the season, but Tyreek, can score 15 without even feeling like he scored two at times. He can fill it up quick without you really even noticing how much he's really scoring. Yeah, he, he's an interesting one because, um, you know, there have been times uh, this year where he's, he's entered the, 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 the contest um, with an aggressive mentality, and you can tell from the opening tip he's ready to go, and he ends up with – you know, 20, even 30 points one time, I think. Um, and, and then there's other times where, you know, he's, he, he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's not ready to shoot. He's not in rhythm. He's not feeling confident. I, I don't really know what it is, but he's, he's definitely not in an in attack mode. And, and, you know, we've talked about it. Uh, we, we've talked about, you know, the importance of him, you know, being in, in attack mode as, as a scorer. Uh, and, and, and how that helps everybody else. Um, but, you know, he just, uh, you know, that's just, that's just not something that, that maybe comes natural to him, uh, you know, and, and, and when he feels it, he, he, can, he can score in, in uh, you know, a bunch of different ways. All right, we're going to pivot to this week's games. We got a long road trip ahead of us, four games on the road in two weeks. The first game is Georgia State. In Atlanta on Thursday at 7 p.m., the Panthers are 10 and 14 overall. They're three and nine in conference play, and have won just one of their last five games. So we saw this team in Norfolk. It's one of our easier wins in conference so far. What can fans expect from this game on Thursday? Well, I'm sure the fact that it's you know it's being played on on their home court you know makes it uh, you know tougher than than when it was uh, you know played here at Chartway Arena. Um, they they've gotten one uh, Odom, uh, one of their starting guards back. Uh, he he wasn't in the lineup when we played him here. Um, uh, they're they're they they've gone small. Their their power forward at the time is now their center, and a guy that hadn't played uh, his first game I think was against us uh, and uh, Colin Moore, and he you know he played well against us, made some buckets, and has played lights out for for them. Um, so they're they're basically playing four guards uh, in a uh, you know a six eight six nine uh, kind of skilled uh, athletic uh, post guy. 
Um, and, and so, um, you know, we, we just know we're, we're going to have to do a great job again with our defense. Uh, we, we, we played really, really well uh, uh, against them defensively. We did give up, um, uh, I think, 14 offensive boards, uh, and we had 18 turnovers. Uh, fortunately, though, we only – uh, they they only scored 11 points off of those 18 turnovers, but you know we're going to need to definitely take care of the ball better down there. Uh, and uh, you know it, it, it'd be nice if that was the game that uh, you know I think Chauncey uh, had 17 at half and, and Tyreek scored 20 something or 19 something in, in the second half. So you know having both of those guys really on their game uh, was 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 big for us. So uh, when you see a team change their lineup. To go smaller like that, does that make you change your rotation at all or change what you're doing? No, I mean, you know, that's, I mean, we, we were forced to do that because of uh, uh, injury and, and, and illness. Um, uh, so, you know, you, they, they did what we, we did and, and other teams in the league, you know, have, you got to adjust. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it does, I think, make them more, uh, uh, they run less offense, but they attack. At, at five positions uh, offensively. And, and a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, not guarding plays as much as you have to guard individuals. You got to get down in the stance and you got to move your feet and make multiple efforts uh, to try to keep the ball in, in, in front of you. Um, that, that really is a huge key, I think, uh, you know, for, for us Thursday night. Hey, Coach, uh, how's Ben coming along with his wrist? Uh, better. Um, you know, I, I think uh, right now I, I'd say that, you know, he should be uh, in the lineup. Uh, and so he won't start, but, you know, be, uh, be, be ready to, you know, play some minutes Thursday night uh, unless something uh, unexpected happens. Uh, you know, I, I'll, ultimately the, the decision will, will be his in terms of, you know, letting me know that he's comfortable playing. But uh, if, if he gives me the thumbs up, you know, we'll definitely – look for opportunities to, to get him in there and then, you know, get him some action. All right. And on Saturday, we head to Texas State for a five o'clock tip off against the Bobcats. They're 11 and 14 overall, four and eight conference. And like Georgia State, they've lost four of their last five. We know you and the team are focused on Georgia State. Is there anything notable you can share about the Bobcats ahead of this game? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that familiar with him. Uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, that uh, we, we, you know, we, we have seen some film um, uh, and uh, they've been described uh, to me as, as being in some ways similar to us. You know, they're, they're not a really fast paced team. They really work hard defensively. They're really solid defensively. Um, but I'm, I'm not familiar uh, at this point with their, 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 their personnel um, and, and won't be quite honestly until, uh, after that Georgia State game. But, you, you know, again, the assistant coaches, the way they divide up the uh, scouting reports, you know, we've, we've, we've got one of our coaches uh, that's uh, locked in and, and, and watching the film and, and you know, putting together uh, a preliminary game plan uh, already so that we're, we're ready to transition uh, from, from Georgia State to, to Texas State immediately after our game Thursday night. Coach, with a four game road you know four game road trip here coming into your last two games being at home i know it's how the schedule happens to play out like this but do you like being on the road this much towards the end of the season is it really kind of indifferent for the guys does it make a difference um, i i don't know how the guys feel i you know i i probably wouldn't if if you allowed me to draw up our schedule i probably wouldn't draw it up like this i'd try to you know intersperse things a little uh, more balance with a little bit more balance, but, you know, I, have told our, our, our players, I am excited. Um, you know, a, a little adversity this time of the year, having an opportunity to go on the road and, and, and win a game. And if you can win one, then you, then you've got a chance to win too. Um, I, I think it's a great challenge and it's a great opportunity and, and, and hopefully our guys feel the same way and are excited. Uh, and, and, you know, don't look at it as, Oh, we got to go on the road. You know, I, I'm thinking, hey, we, we get a chance to go on the road and prove something. You know, these are important basketball games. And for a competitor, you know, you you, you don't shy away from adversity or, or uh, 
competition. You you relish it. So uh, that that's certainly my uh, my approach. And, and and we've talked with the team, you know, about doing that. I they're just excited right now to be playing, and and uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, you know bring forth our, our best effort, not dig ourselves in a hole, and, and play full forty minutes. Um, if if we if we compete for forty minutes, um, I'll you know I'll I'll take our chances. Absolutely. I mean, you guys are right in the thick of this thing with six games left going into the conference tournament. So these four games on the road are important, and I can see why you guys would be excited about it. Mike, you got anything else? Sorry, I was trying to. I was looking <laughs> at the media guide, but Texas State's changed their name so many times throughout history that it was harder to track down if we'd ever played them before. And I was going through all their different variations of their names, and I can't find any. According to Harry Gim, I believe we've never played Texas State before. Old Dominion has never played Texas State. They're on their seventh name as a college, which seems like a lot. Yeah, I would think so. We hope you guys have a great road trip, safe travels, no delays or anything, and come back 2-0, ready to go next week on the road again. Well, that's the plan. Uh, we'll we'll hit the road, uh, you know, tomorrow after practice. And uh, uh, like you said, hopefully everything will run smoothly, and we can get down there, get get our guys a, a good night's sleep, and have uh, have uh, a good good shoot around and walk through on on Thursday and get ready to go. Now, since we're going to Atlanta and then Texas, that's just two easy flights, right? Uh, yeah, direct flight to Atlanta, direct flight from uh, from Atlanta to. Austin, but then there's, it's a 45 minute bus ride after we get to Austin uh, to, dr- to, to drive to uh, San Marcos. Still sounds like an improved trip. Yes. Well, I mean, there's no, there, there's no five and a half, six hour bus ride. That's pretty miserable for a guy that's only five, seven like me. I can't even imagine for, uh-huh. for you guys how miserable bus trips of that length are. You, you get used to it. I mean, in some ways, I mean, you know, it's not the ideal, but uh, it's not the end of the world. All right, Coach. Well, we thank you for your time and safe travels. All right. I appreciate it. Talk to you guys next week. Absolutely, Coach. Thank you so much. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Welcome back, Monarch Nation. Joining us on the show is the Kinston, North Carolina, six, eight, and one half inch junior big man, Dorico Williams. Rico, yes, sir. welcome to the best and only ODU podcast. <laughs> thank you for having me, man. All right, Rico. So thank you for joining us. First off, how has ODU treated you so far? They've been treating me good. I can't complain. Jimmy, in a lot of areas, I know I need improvement in. So I thank them for that. And I've been sending a lot of blessings my way, honestly. Before Aaron gets really going, he introduced you as six eight and a half. I have to ask, you're listed at six seven on ODU's website. <laughs> What's going on hey, there? We're gonna need a little size check. I talked to my athletics uh, department about that. <laughs> but now I'm definitely six eight. Uh definitely six eight and a half, I would say. Yeah. So a little chart confusion. Yeah, we gotta make sure that we clear that up, you know. We don't want anyone thinking something differently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely six, eight and a half, fellas. All right. So you're a well-traveled guy for someone your age. You went to high school at Kinston High School, York Prep as a junior, and then Winston-Salem Prep as a senior. You then spent your freshman season at UNC Greensboro before transferring to Tallahassee Community College. Talk to us about your experience having the opportunity to see so many places, how it helps you out as a person, as a basketball player, and then what ultimately led you to choosing Old Dominion. Going to all the other schools that I experienced throughout my career, it was mostly just understanding the route I wanted to be on, just understanding the best place to, to be at during the time that I was going through, if it was high school or college. And, you know, things not always as you paint it, you know? Like, I always looked at it like that, and that's where it came from Kenston High to York Prep to Winston-Salem Prep. Then I'm like, wow, I don't want to do the same thing when I get in college. I get in college, I'm at UNCG, then I go to Tallahassee, now I'm at ODU, you know? So it's like the same similar route, but I feel like as an athlete, you go through those phases and you can't really control them, but you gotta get the best out of it, you know what I'm saying? But leading me to ODU, it was really just, um, Coach Richardson not on the coach staff no more, but he was the recruiter for me. He just brought me in, 
open arms, you know, and there was a lot of love from the Monarch fans, you know, like it's a real family here and I respect it and I wanted to be part of it. So yeah, it made it happen. Then I met Coach Jones and, you know, me and Coach Jones going to Coach Jones' house. You like Coach Jones' house. <laughs> Got a little late view. You think, oh man. <laughs> so yeah, it was definitely exciting to join the Monarch family for sure. So this is your first year as a Monarch, but you're a day one starter. After a good amount of time with the program now, how do you feel about where your game is and where can it go? I feel like as a starter and coming off the bench, it's really, people look at it like it's a big difference, but I personally don't look at it like it's a difference because we have a lot of people that can contribute off the bench that a lot of people can't contribute as a starter. Well, I wouldn't say can't, but, you know, it's a whole different roles and different value to their game. So it can give a spurs here and a spurs there than a starter when he just have the start of the game. You know what I'm saying? Like he come off the bench and he can bring this and that. So me being one of those people, and getting into the starting lineup as a, a starting forward this year, it was more so like a, a challenge for me because I knew I was going to be undersized at that position I'm at now, and I knew it was going to be more of like a, a battle, I would say. So every night I just I just know that it's going to be another seven-footer, but, you know, I'm six, eight and a half, so I'm not worried about him too much, you know. So, <laughs> But I just uh, – I look forward to battling. Then I can see myself getting better play by play with just going on that stage of everything. And that kind of matures my game to like size don't really matter. You got to still be able to do what you do regardless of what's going on on the court. You still got to be able to do what you do. Yeah. Hey, Rico, talk to us about that a little bit. So every night that you and Faison, you guys are going to be battling. And Ben, I know he's out right now, but battling guys that are bigger, heavier than you guys, taller than you guys. So in practice, like from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint, how do you guys get ready to know that's going to be the case every night to be ready to go? Well, Coach Jones hold us on a lot of toughness standpoint. So he makes sure mentally we are tough enough to understand what we're going against. But physically, we do a lot of good stuff in practice to get us ready for our competition, I would say. And then it's just a lot of challenging for me and Faison and Ben, like, we just challenge each other every day. It's more so like the high school and middle school or AAU, I would say. You really fight for a position. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, oh, he's going to be my starter and we don't just bring him off the bench. It was like, any minute now, he could be the starter. So we treat practice as if that is the case, you know? So I want to give Faison the easy slip. Faison want to give me the easy slip. So when we get in the game, it's more competitive than just letting the other big just be big, you know what I'm saying? Just be much more aggressive or anything towards us. All right, Rico. So I played basketball growing up. And right. if you hit a certain height and you're the tallest guy on the team, they just make you play in the paint. No center, matter what. Yeah, it's make you play center. <laughs> so at what age were you put into the paint? And how do you like playing the paint versus playing like on the wing? Growing up, my 13th birthday is really when I started getting taller and linky and all that type of stuff. But I wasn't really playing – the five, the center position until I got, till I got in seventh grade. Cause I was normally the same size as the other big guys. So we'll just all be a big team. Like we, they were the team that nobody wanted to go against. I was dunking, somebody else was dunking. We were in seventh grade. So they like, wow. But going into the eighth grade, I would say that's when I started to realize like I'm really getting tall. So I really had to play center. So I had to get a little weight on me, start doing my push-ups at home, you know, stuff like that. I wasn't really trained into the, the weight room yet. I wasn't really introduced to all that until I got into high school or whatever. But that summer, my eighth grade summer, I was playing the five position. I had to play against um, Ben in North Carolina. It's the Hoop State, if you don't know. So it's a lot of good players that come out of there, man. So, hey, you really be a, a, a shocking moment for a lot of people. It can make you or break you, you know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, it was one of those summers where I just played center and I balled out. I was like, wow, because normally I just be forward or like small forward or just be like, like I said, three other guys that's the same size as me. And we'll just all be on the team. But I like the outside game. I try to scratch my game out. Last year, if you look on any film for me last year at Tallahassee, I had a lot of three-footer mid-range jumpers putting the ball on the ground a lot more than usual. Took a whole summer off and just try to spend my game on that standpoint. But coming back to ODU, not saying Coach Jones don't allow that. He just have a different way of playing the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have a different system than just get a ball to Rico and just look like Julius Randle. You know what I'm saying? It's more so, like, we need you to <laughs> do a little more than just that. But, yeah, 
it's, it's pretty fun. It's, it's pretty fun. But like I said, it's a challenge every day. So you definitely get the opposite sides on both ends. But some nights I have the good end on it. And then some nights, you know, I'm battling and I, I get beat. You know, I ain't sad to say I get beat. But it just be, it's fun down there sometimes because it's stuff that you don't expect that happen, but it's so quick and it's so simple that it's shocking. And then you look at Tim Duncan and you look at Kevin Garnett's and stuff, and you're like, oh, so this why they this why they was who they are, because they made it so easier at their size. And me being a Draymond Green, I see how Draymond can really stop those players from doing what they do, from his quickness, his his aggressiveness, his, you know, just competing every night. So I just feel like I bring a lot of a lot of that there when the five positions more so commonly slow, really five feet in, you know, like it's not really too too fast or physical. It's just not physical, I would say fast and finesse. It's just physical and power, I guess. You just play big down there and if you make it, you make it. If you don't, run back. It's more so like that simple. It's that simple. When you look at the the game now, it's more like you got Anthony Davis shooting threes and you know, stuff like that. So it really brings the game until you have to have an expansion. So I feel like I really want to see my game expand to that. But I'm not really a, a Russian type guy, I'm more of a day day for day type thing. I work out every day, trust my work ethic, you know, take the shots, miss them, live with it, go back tomorrow, I'll do the same thing, work out, you know, take the shots, miss it, live with it. Because at the end of the day, it's, basketball is a miss or make type game. You're going to miss it or you're going to make it. So I don't really try to get too much in my head about, oh, I want to do this. I want to look like Steph Curry right now. I want to start shooting threes right now. Like, I just be like, okay, Rico, start working on this, start working on that. And then it slowly just, you know, get to that level. That's a great attitude to have, to get a little bit better each day. If you can get a little bit better each day, then before you know it, you know, you're rolling the next season and you're getting closer to where you want to be. All right. So, Rico, we never know what we're going to get on this question, but... All right. With you being our version of a world traveler, it's okay. a little bit more interesting to me here. So when we look back at pictures and we look back at some of your video, right. you wore the number 32 at Kinston. You wore the number three at York Prep. Mm-hmm. You wore the number five in AAU with Team mm-hmm. CP3. At Greensboro and with Tallahassee, you wore the number 15. Mm-hmm. But now as a monarch, you rock the number 23. Can you tell us how you landed the number 23 and if there's any significance behind it? Oh, man, that's a crazy stack line you got right there. I forgot about some of the jersey numbers I had. But growing up, the number 32, it was actually a fellow friend of mine. We was on the junior varsity team together. We was playing, you know, in high school nowadays, you can play junior varsity and varsity. So I would play a few games, junior varsity, and then they'll move us up for varsity or whatever at a certain time of the year. And number 15 was like my number of just choosing like my favorite number. I, I always chose 15, 15, this, 15, that. I don't know. It was just a number that I just, you know, everyone just had that favorite number. I felt 15 was my number and 15 was already taken. But Damian Dunn, he had Temple right now doing his thing down there, if you don't know him. But yeah, he took 15. I wasn't really mad because he was one of the best players we had. So I'm like, hey, man, I mean, hey, I was just put the ball in the basket. I'll wear any of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. 32 was, was the only number left. Got 32. I'm like, okay. Going into AAU, I always at number five or 15. I think five or 15 was like the common numbers for me, like 515, 515. So I always wanted the number around that number or those numbers. It just made me feel luckier, I guess. But I end up with number three going into the next season at York Prep. Number three was just, uh, we had jersey sizes that was too small <laughs> for the team. Like I coach ordered the jerseys and they came in a little too small. So you didn't want to wear you didn't want to wear the medium. Yeah, so they had like number fifteen and like medium. They had like medium shorts and everything. Before the little small shorts was a wave, it was already something we had to do regardless. So we, <laughs> I got number three. It was just something I just chose. I wasn't really after that point. I was just cool, whatever number come my lane. But I always choose fifteen. If fifteen I chose, I just take fifteen. 23, I would say coming to Marnard, it was mostly, once again, 15 got ticking faster than usual as a, uh, in college. Some teams do this, some teams don't, but I guess here, Coach Jones gave us the option to choose whatever number we want. He don't really care, you know? So it's like, um, if it's not already ticking, then you got it, you know? Coming here later, I didn't come here during the summer. I had some academic stuff coming from 
JUCO to bank university, I guess, or whatever. I had to do some credit adjustments, but I didn't get the number 15. So, and the numbers that was on the floor was bigger numbers. I'm not ashamed of having a bigger number, but I've never been a big number type dude. So they had like 55, 40s and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I just go with the old school Austin Trice. Give me 23. We just run it back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just, I wasn't nothing like that, but I definitely just chose 23 off just, all right, I just take this number type thing. Well, you say you like the number five. So two and three equals five. Three and two equals five. Oh, that's good money right there. That's good oh, here we go. This is a cost accountant speaking to you one. now here, Mike and the numbers. I missed that one. Okay, okay. That's a, okay. So now I probably got a rock with 23. As long as the numbers add up to, to five, you're good. You know? Okay. Because in my room, I got the LeBron jersey. That's the 23. Then I got the Jordan jersey. That's the 23. But they both equals five. I didn't look at it like that. You just gave me a different way of thinking. All right. Well, I'm happy to do that for you. But in a game of one-on-one, what is your go-to move? Game of one-on-one. If you give me any space, I feel like, honestly, Coach Jones, man, Coach Jones can debate about this. Coach Jones see me shoot the ball, though, so he know what I'm capable of doing. If you give me any space from 15 in, I'm shooting it. And I'm very confident in just that. But my go-to move, I would say, it will be a low rip or a high rip. And we normally do three dribbles. So if we playing from the perimeter out, I would just go high rip, low rip. I think I'm very quicker than the usual big or anybody. Actually, I just feel like I just move faster. I just can get there. But I low rip, high rip. If you stop that, I just go counter. But normally that's my first instinct, the low rip, high rip, just quick. Mark Stoudemire, <laughs> get there real quick. Try to beat you to the punch and power up over, I guess. That's my go-to move one-on-one. If you stop that, then I just hit you with counters, you know, counter here, counter there. I kind of like one-on-one, though. One-on-one kind of, I wouldn't say open up your game, but it matures your game to what you can really do outside of what you do already. You'd be like, oh, you know, I can do that. Oh, I just did this. Oh, you just hit me with this. And they're like, oh, man, you would never make that again. You do it again, you're like, oh, I'm about to try this in the game. Maybe I might not try it in the game yet, but. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you really get confident in your game a little bit one-on-one. All right. So, Rico, I'm not sure if your teammates gave you a heads up on this one, but this is one that we kind of call the emo question because okay. for some reason when we ask this, I would say 50% of the time people talk about emo on this question. Okay. So you guys spend a lot of time together. You're on the road together. You're at the Mitch together. You're on campus together. You guys are always either hanging out or playing ball. So – you get to know each other really, really well. So given that, can you give Monarch Nation a fact or a hidden talent about one of your teammates that they probably wouldn't know about? Ah, uh, that's a tough one. Okay, okay, okay. My teammates. Oh, simple. Faison. Faison be dancing. Faison is a dancer. He be getting down. I, I'm telling you. I've never seen a 6'10 do move like Faison. <laughs> you know, this this has to be true. Because was it was it Coop that told us this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Coop told us about this. As a matter of fact, the other day at the at the breakfast, um Coach Covey was kind of um messing with Faison like he was gonna uh-huh. make him go up on stage and talk. Uh-huh. And uh he said, Okay, I won't make you go up there. And then I told him, Hey, I heard that Faison, I heard that, you know, you could dance. And you were a really good dancer that, uh, you know, a big man. with the question, huh? <laughs> uh, exactly. And he, he, we told him that Coop said it, and he, he said that he was going to have to teach Coop how to do an African dance. So <laughs> if that hasn't happened yet, you might have to kind of. Uh, and you know, it's crazy. It probably already happened. I probably overlooked it, not knowing what was going on. <laughs> well, if not, I know you guys are going to be on the road. So you know, maybe when you're in a hotel room, you'll have to ask that question. Oh, yeah. And you want to know what's even crazier? Coop is my roommate on the road. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to ask him if he's gotten that lesson yet, and if so, to <laughs> show you the moves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would definitely ask him that. That's funny. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, Rico. I know you haven't been here that long, but do you have a most memorable game as a Monarch so far? Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Was it William and Mary, I think? I had a second half where I went for 11 rebounds. 
and one half. I never did it in my life. And it was all off offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, and loose ball rebounds. And so it was a mixture of all of it. And I was just everywhere. And I was like, wow. Yeah. All right. Favorite gym that you've ever played ball in? So far? Ever? Or just as a monarch? Uh, it could be ever. Ever. We played in the, I was at UNCG, UNC Greensboro, my Redshirt freshman year, we went to the NCAA tournament. We had to play at Florida State. We played at the Pacers Arena. That was one of the biggest moments I felt. I didn't physically get in the game, but I practiced there. I was ducking on the rim and all that type of stuff. I felt, yeah, it felt good. Yeah, they had to be pretty sweet. Yeah. And then I was just uh, feeling the way, you know, you watch the game and you play it a lot. And then you physically play the game, but then on that stage, I felt the energy that they get, but I felt the, the bright lights and the shaky legs and all that type of stuff. I felt all that. All right, Rico, you're the first Monarch to get this question. All right, let's get it. What is your favorite play to make in a game, whether it be a dunk, block, a charge? I'll have to mix it up with a with a dunk and a block. Monarch Nation love when I dunk the ball or block the ball, so they go crazy on either one of them. Uh, I, try to, I try to get a block a game dunk a game at least so i would say i'll go with my biggest play will be definitely a dunk it turned me up if, if we're going with that dunk i mean that dunk that you had a couple home stands ago uh, oh, yeah. in front of fast in front break. of the bench was uh, redunculous oh yeah oh yeah i got the fast break i was thinking in my head exactly what i wanted to do exactly i seen the defender come over so then i was thinking like ah i gotta now i gotta no more dunk it i wasn't even thinking actually like like Coach Jones, what you to think real simple, simple thoughts. Like when it comes to putting the ball in the basket, he wants you to just put it in the basket. He don't care if you go between the legs and throw it behind your back and catch it and shoot it. He just make it. Whatever you do, just put it in the basket. So I'm thinking like, I'm very capable of doing a lot of stuff at this moment. Like I'm thinking in my head, like, should I windmill? Well, like, come on, our nation might go crazy. And I know they might go crazy. But then I seen the defender come over and I just made it simple. I was like, I'm just going to put it down, get back on defense. Okay, so I have to ask this question now because unlike Mike, I did not play basketball competitively. I mm -hmm. played in the front yard and my buddy's hoops and stuff like that. <laughs> I was not good. I love playing, but I was not good. And I'm five seven and a half on some days. So <laughs> that so when when you're dribbling the ball, it all that stuff that you just described happens in the matter of just a couple seconds. But yeah. clearly you're talking about the thought process that's going through your head. So like, how are you processing it that quickly, deciding what exactly am I going to do here? With basketball, I would say personally, from my experience, it's a free thought type thing. You got to have a free mind. You can't go out there and keep thinking, like, what I'm about to do, and, oh, I'm about to hit them with this, I'm about to hit them with that. Uh, if you ain't got it, basketball will expose it, you know what I'm saying? So if you can't shoot threes, you go out there shooting threes, yeah, you'll get exposed, you know what I'm saying? You'll expose yourself. We call it self-check. So what you're thinking you got to think sharp and you got to think positive on what you know you can do. Like, I would think, okay, I can win me. I can do this. I can do that. I'm thinking, like, okay, well, if defender come over, I'm not going to just do the simple dunk. But I'm like, okay, I can go with two hands, one hand. But I'm thinking, like, ah, whatever. Body motion, muscle memory of me just doing the same thing over and over and over. Like, you think those things so much and you react so fast that it's like you didn't even think it because you already did something. You know what I'm saying? Like, you thought about it, but you already did something. Like, so in the moment, it's more like a, like a car wreck. A lot of people have been in car wrecks, but you don't really know exactly what's going to happen or how you're going to end up in the wreck. But when it happens, you just know it happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, well, I got hit from the back and my body jerked or something, you know, or like from the side. And so when you think in basketball, it's like, oh, I caught the pass. I could have shot it or I could have drove a baseline, but I passed it back. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I don't know. You just... You got to go with your first instinct. That's what I do know and live with that. And then whatever came with the other option, you'd be like, well, I should have shot it. You didn't, but it's okay. Cause you live with your first one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, Rico, we're going to give you some quick, fast, easy questions. All right. All right. First one, favorite restaurant in Norfolk. Favorite restaurant in Norfolk would be Red Crab. It's a seafood restaurant about five minutes from campus. All right. So if you're not at Chartway or you're not at the Mitch, what's your favorite spot on campus? My favorite spot on campus, Chartway or not the Mitch, 
I want to say my crib because it's my crib. I'm always here. I would say, I would say hanging out one of the guys' crib. We be hanging out at the guys' crib a lot, playing the game and just vibing out at each other's house. Call some, like we'll call each other over like, okay, well, I'm over here. They'd be like, well, I'm on the way over there. Then, then we just all hang out in one crib. Yeah. All right. Favorite thing to do in your free time? I have a few hobbies. I would say I do. I read a lot. So I read a lot of leadership books. So just maturing that area of my life. I like doing that. I play the game a little bit. Yeah, and I get in the gym. That's about it. And with that reading, we might have to introduce him to Coach Finwood, a baseball coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big, voracious reader and all kinds of okay. books on leadership. He and introduce me to something. Yeah, all, yeah, he's always reading. He, he would be a good one for you. Yeah, he was an English major, so he's going to know all the best leadership books you're going to find as a coach. I mean, he's oh, been yeah. coaching – since then, I I his, in the athletics department. Yeah, and he's he, he got his first head coaching job at like 23 years old. So he's been doing it a long time. That's tough. That's tough. I think that's um that's something similar that Coach Jones had going on. He was a head coach, I think, at 24, I think, 26. I don't, I don't know, 20 something, pretty young. Yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. So basketball movie, what's your favorite one? Uh, I have two favorites, actually. I love love and basketball. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I love like Mike. Those two have been popular. Mike, do you want to drop the knowledge on love and basketball? Ah. So, Rico, did you know that Coach Delisha Milton-Jones was in love and basketball? I did not know that. So she was a member of the Sparks. So that scene towards the end of the movie where the main character is playing for the Sparks. Right. She's on... Coach Delisha's team. That's tough. I wonder, see, I'll be thinking about stuff like that with, like, not necessarily saying older athletes, but I would say, like, the ones before me, like, a decade or so ago. And I think about, like, the movie scenes they have now and where that, like, how much value do they have in their life now? You know what I'm saying? Like, you think about that movie that came out in early 2000s, then you think about now, 2023, you can watch the movie on your phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's, like how that make you feel like you can see yourself in a movie that's popular i would guess well we did ask her the same question and she said it's still her favorite movie so ah, so that's a good question it's got to be a really memorable moment in her life no definitely it will be though and the movie made a lot of sense and it was i want to say realistic but it, was, it had some real similarities in it yeah it's a good movie all right who's your favorite band or musical artist being a musical artist, my favorite one. That's a tough question. I actually love an artist that we brought here for Homecoming, G Herbo. I love his music. It's very inspirational to me in some ways. Like he just speak the life that some people live from where I'm from or whatever, if that makes sense. And then I would say, I like a lot of R&B. I'm trying to pick one to make it simple, but I like just R&B music. So I would say early 2000s, late 90s. I like that type of flow with R&B, so I like a lot of that music. And yeah, Jerbo. Good deal. All right, if you could sit down with any person, past or present, and have a conversation, who would it be and why? It would be Kevin Garnett. I love to meet Kevin Garnett. I feel like me and Kevin Garnett should be like father and son. If I can't get with Kevin Garnett, I'll try to get with Barack Obama. They asked him how he became president. Well, I understand how he became president, but, uh, you know, get a personal conversation, like, give me the chicken sauce on the side or something, you know. <laughs> I know I know you didn't do that, but now I ain't hear about Barack Obama till about two years before he became president. <laughs> Not saying, like, he wasn't, what's the word? Like, he wasn't, like, he wasn't somebody already, you know what I'm saying? But like, his he wasn't. Big, his, I remember his big moment was actually speaking at the Democratic National Convention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had a pretty meteoric rise. Yeah, I think it was two years, right? Two years before he got elected, I would say. Yeah, it was a while. But all right, we just got a couple more questions for you. If you could play one-on-one right. -on -one with any player, who would you pick, and are you going to win? One-on-one with any player, I'll pick Michael Jordan because I feel like in life they say in order to be the best, you got to be the best, and I would just give him everything I got, foul him, all types of stuff. I just, you know, I <laughs> – I try to shoot half court shots if I got to. Okay, you know, Michael Jordan, they say he was a little pissed. But I try to, you know, I try to give him everything I got and beat him. Try my best. All right. This is going to be my last question for you. And then Aaron's going to close it out. All right. What is your top personal goal 
and your top team goal for this year. And what will it take for you and the team to get there? Yeah, I had two goals coming into the year, but it kind of summed up to being one total goal. It was mostly just to enjoy the game, you know, find my groove back with the game. You know, I feel like I just, since AAU, I was I was a person where it was just um, role play, role play, AAU. Then I became collegiate, and it was like more so like what you make it of, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not more just, oh, we're going to throw you out here, we're going to put you on this team, and you're going to play this, and you're going to do this. It was more so like if you can do it, we're going to use it. If you can't, then we got somebody else, you know what I'm saying? It was like a competitive challenge, and I opened up to that last year, honestly, just being myself and competing, not just worried about how somebody would look at me or judge my character and just being myself, I opened up to that part. So that was one of my main goals coming into the year, meeting a lot of new teammates, you know, we had a new coaching staff. So it's like just opening up to people is not one of my easiest things I would say I do. So just being myself, I was trying to not necessarily say put it on the ground first, but like lay it down first so you can see what it is. And if you want to flip the page with it, then get to know me. If you don't, then just close the book. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to be one of those type things. So um, that was one of my goals here. And it, it worked out in a positive way. I met a lot of new people, the guys we locked in. So that's something good. I like that. Then the coaches, you know, we locked in. So I like that. But as a team, I would say my main goal is just try to figure it out. Honestly, I like, just hope we can figure it out. Like, we got a good team, you know, like, we got good pieces. Like, a lot of teams don't have the pieces. They have just a few guys that can do this and that. And if those guys not doing it, they're not who they are. We have, like, a good team, like, the whole team. So my main goal was here to just be who I am for my team, regardless if it's scoring 15 to 20 points or getting 10 rebounds or getting the five fouls we need to foul, you know what I'm saying, regardless of what it is. I just wanted to be myself and still be able to, be involved with growing with the team. So just honestly, just growing, see if we can make it happen. We got a, well, like a, a four game road scratch right now, challenge ourselves, try to make it happen. As I was said, the whole goal is to try to make it happen. Good deal. All right, Rico, before we close the show out here, just want to give you an opportunity to let Monarch Nation, what's on your mind, where they can find you on social. And if there's anything that you want to let them know about. Oh, Monarch Nation, man, I love y'all. Y'all support me a lot. You know, I'm with it. I love it. Um, y'all can find me on social media, on Twitter at Rico Moneybags. That's R-I-C-C-O, Moneybags with a Z, not an S. Same thing for Instagram. Same thing for most of all social media sites. I got the same name up there, so y'all can find me up there. I do follow back. So, yeah, no, I'm not one of those people. So, I, I definitely follow you back, being tuned. And I love the energy y'all be bringing. Keep selling out at the house. We're going to try to handle business on the road. Sounds great, man. We appreciate you coming on and best of luck down in Atlanta on Thursday. And I know Mike and I will see you guys in Harrisonburg next okay. week for that That's battle, JMU. Yes, sir. You know we got it. Hey, thanks again, Rico. Really appreciate it. Go Monarchs. I appreciate y'all guys too. Let's do it. Let's go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.